0: Follow What Was The Score Podcast on Twitter at WWTS underscore podcast and follow us on YouTube too at the same name, What Was The Score Podcast, the Sports History Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and w and welcome back to What Was The Score, the Sports History Network. Really special interview today for to kick off the first interview of season two. I've got Tom Bonnet, and um, not only is Tom a great guy, he's also one of the most popular guys in British basketball that actually doesn't step on the court. Um, so yeah, I really hope you enjoy this, and if you really get into some of the stuff that the British Basketball League has done well, can do better, and it's great to get his perspective obviously being on the other side of it. So yeah, thank you Tom for uh, giving me your time for this, and here we go.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network. Your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
0: So, today I'm here with Tom Bonnet. Now, Tom Bonnet's kind of famed fame within the British basketball community recently uh for his work with the Surrey Scorchers. He's now obviously with Southampton as a marketing executive. Tom, thank you for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great uh, to, you know, finally talk to you properly. We've interacted a couple of times, but it's nice to uh, have a proper chat. So obviously I alluded to it at the top, but the um, last year, how has it been for you professionally?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one. Um, I, I joined Surrey Scorchers um, at, at Surrey Sports Park in Guildford back in October 2019. So I did about five months there as a, a marketing communications officer for them. So doing stuff in the BBL. I'd done stuff there, you know, for work experience previously. So I knew a lot of the people there and then the opportunity came up, I went in and for a few months it was obviously, it was really good. And things were kind of on me up. Um, ticket sales were going really well. And of course, everything's, you know, shuts down with COVID, as everybody knows. Um, it was a challenge, but it was good. It gave me an opportunity to really kind of have a reset on how everything was being run top to bottom in that franchise. And, um, you know, cause fans couldn't come back for the, the season that's just gone by, you know, I started uh, streaming the games and, put together some streaming and that went, went really well and things kind of went from strength to strength on our social media channels because of course everything went digital and, and then it, it ended up in the position where um, you know, earlier this year um, I was offered the position to, to join Southampton Football Club as a marketing executive here in the Premier League which I've now been doing for six weeks. It feels a lot longer than that but yeah, it's been six weeks um, and I'm loving it and it's really good um, and, but the, my time in the BBL really gave me that, that grounding and that opportunity to, to kind of prove myself and, and learn along the way uh, and now I'm, you know, mixing with some some real, real talented people, which is very exciting. Really, really enjoying it so
0: far. Good. No, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And um, you know, it's nice to hear that um <clears throat> that your work in the BBL is helping you transfer and translate over to this uh, to, to this next step. So you know, I, I know you say you've only been there six weeks, but you know, what what's the next step?
1: Well, I think I just really want to consolidate what I'm doing in Southampton because I think in the UK in particular, you can't really get much bigger than football, especially the Premier League, you know, globally, let alone in the UK. And and for me, I really want to find a permanent home where I can settle and work my way out within a company. And I think, you know, when, you, when you're when you at that sort of level, you're surrounded by so many talented people who are who are experts in their field. So I feel like I've got so much I can learn off people and already I've noticed, you know, I'm picking things up along the way, which is really good. Um, but no, really, really good people. It's a great business. I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like that's the sort of place where I could find a permanent home. So for now, you know, as I've just turned 22, I just want to work my way up there and really settle down in Southampton and see what I can do there over the next few years and really help them get to the next step and be part of their journey. Um, I think everything since COVID started, it was gone so fast. Um, it's hard to believe how quickly things have gone. So now I'm really ready to settle down and kind of start building my future here. Uh, and I'm not really looking too much further past that at the moment. Um, I'm very happy with, with the decision I made, and I'm happy just mm-hmm. to see how things play out over the next months and years, really.
0: No, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you're settling in all right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're from down south, you're from down that way. So, uh, you know, not too much of a, a, a trek for you.
1: Yeah, I live just outside of Portsmouth. Um, so, yeah, a little village called Horndean, which is about, it's about 40 minute drive from the stadium where my office is. So, it's, it's ideal. And I think at the moment, yeah, as we come out of COVID, we're doing this hybrid style of working so some days you're in the office some days you're at home which is nice to have a lay-in in in the week and stuff like that but it's good I think um it's nice to see that that people are kind of embracing COVID and what we can learn from that experience rather than just going back to what we were doing before so I think it it benefits everyone and already we're starting to see like a good work-life balance because you know you don't have to commute there and back every day and on a Friday when you when you clock out at a certain time you're done you don't have to drive home and all that so yeah it's it's good It's, it's really good I'm happy with it.
0: Fantastic that's brilliant um so obviously, you've done your, uh, some, some great work in the BBL. You're a much loved member of the Surrey Scorchers. Um, and you've seen a different side of it than people like myself who's just a fan. You've seen, you know, the, the, the underbelly, as it were. And from what you know, would you say that this is possibly the best position that British Basketball has been in for a while?
1: Yeah I definitely think it's moving in the right direction I mean I've been watching the BBO as a fan since about 2009 Um, I caught like the tail end of the Guildford heat um, when Tao was still young um, and Martel was young Um, and in that time you know I kind of filtered in and out but but you know I I think as most people know in the UK there isn't much media attention for, for British basketball it's something that we've always talked about being that next step and it never really happened to an extent that we wanted. I think HoopsFix have done a fantastic job over the last decade of consolidating themselves and, and being that go-to news source. But as everybody knows, you've got to reach the mainstream media to really push the sport and make it become more of a, more of a mainstream sport in, in this country. And I think that the two-year deal with Sky Sports was the step that we needed. And COVID, of course, albeit all of the negatives, that's the one positive that it did bring is that the access that we've now gotten. and, the brilliant work that that, um, that Sky Sports have done with the games, I think it's really putting us in an exciting position. Um, and the teams have really stepped up their media as well. Um, there's lots of uh, young people doing great things, and I think they're going to be the ones that drive it moving forward. Um, I think there's a lot of good people in it. I think it just needs to all come together, and everyone needs to kind of understand what direction they're trying to take the league in and what they're trying to take the sport in, because as you know, in any sport, you can have all the right people, but if you've got no money in it, then it's difficult. And I think that it's... Really trying to work out how you can make a, a sustainable business model for for multiple teams, not just the 11 in the BBL, but of course, trickling down into the National Basketball League as well. Um, so there's a lot to be done, but I definitely think it's in a good position. I think it is moving forward. And um, as you can see from some of the teams at the top end of the BBL, they're ready to make that leap into Europe. And, you know, it was disappointing to see London couldn't do that this year because of COVID. Um, but I think some of the other teams definitely have a case to say they could have a go at it as well and if we can get into Europe and really consolidate there as well then then the world's a royster really but the the level of and the standard of play without a doubt is the highest I've seen since I've been watching so I think it's a really good sign for the future.
0: Mm. No no doubt I totally agree and I agree with what you're saying about um, Hoops Fix you know Sam's done some amazing stuff there but then you see the kind of the next generation you've got um, Marcel from uh, BBL Lab you've got uh, Will at uh, BBL Fix and they've kind of started this new social media like revolution um, for British basketball you know obviously Brian and Skylar doing some fantastic stuff at High Tea Hoops uh, the whole TikTok revolution it's yeah I, I really think that everything about it is kind of falling into place you're starting to get that kind of cult uh, casual culture emerge for British basketball
1: yeah, I agree with you. And I've really tried to embrace as many of those young creators as I could while I was there. So I have a, a good friendship with Will from BBL Fix. I'd always give him a heads up when we were going to make some sort of announcement. And he was always a brilliant source for news for me. He was my go-to source for news. Dave Owen always does a brilliant job with the history stuff. And, and all those BBL stats I could possibly need, um, he has that. So I, I, I donate to his Patreon as well as Sam at Hoops Fix. They do a brilliant job um but you know even james piper who's a who's a yeah. you know he does graphics That's and stuff great. like that he did all my he did all my scorchers graphics um yeah. these reels is obviously killing it yeah i think it's really bringing that american culture of social media that you see on bleacher report sports center bringing that across to the british games good because the more people you've got talking about the best plays the better and and as you've seen jamie with tiktok you know the success and the virality of the app has been really good you know hoop speaks have had some some you know highlights that have had over a million views and ryan richards is now on twenty five yeah, thousand things, followers yeah. like it's, it's good it's good to see people really embracing it and it's something that i've definitely pushed the players to do and i've been helping ryan with his TikTok over the last couple of weeks because mm-hmm. he's in the Basque africa league and yes. there's not many british players that have reached the level ryan has so he's got a great story to tell so i said to him you've got to use that platform to really tell the story and inspire the next generation of uk players and i think when you bring all of that together I think you're right in saying it is falling into place. And I think if those guys can get into those positions where they can have an effect on the actual league, I think that will make a huge difference moving forward.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's good that you pick up on Ryan because, of course, he's one of the few players uh, that played in Britain recently that were actually drafted by the NBA. Uh, if I recall correctly, he went to the Spurs?
1: Yeah, uh, he did. The 49th pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I did, you Obviously, you know, Ryan, is he one of the ones that will remember the 48 drafted uh, ahead of him or does he just yeah he, he does yeah
1: and, and the thing with ryan is i won't steal his sunday because he's got so many stories we've planned over the next few weeks for him to release on this tiktok so hmm. go and follow him if you don't already but but he he's a brilliant character and i think that I, he's already said to me that if he'd had guidance when he was younger he would have marketed himself a lot better because i think if you look at you know the the the, the, the uk fans will know luol dang they'll know joel freeland they'll know pop Bonsi, but some people don't even know about ryan or his story Although he never really suited up officially for the Spurs, he was drafted to the NBA. He's one of the best players that has ever come out of the UK. So I think his story is really interesting and it'll be good to learn more of those stories. And I think that's where that next step really comes in is if the mainstream media pick up on some of these stories, then the better. Because this is a guy who's seven foot one coming out of Kent and he's ended up playing in the NBA. Like, how has that happened from the UK? And that's the sort of thing that I really want these guys to tell their story because they are so unique in comparison to some of the other sports in this country.
0: Mm. And there's definitely an appetite for it, because of course, Ben Allison, um, he's done a book, uh, played at Davidson with Steph Curry. Um, He went, he went to school down south near Portsmouth. There's a, um, like a very private school down there. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I've got a book down here, actually, Reach in the Room. It's about how to make it to America. And that was a bit outdated because he released it in 2011 so he said you have to make a dvd of all your plays and mail it to coaches in america um but you know the the idea is there obviously there is a niche and and he he fits that niche perfectly and I'm um, you know we've kind of alluded to it um you know, just by talking but the next step do you think that's more social media or better quality players, even though we've got fantastic players, Juno Crandall's re-signed. Ultimately, if we want to be recognised, we have to do great things on the court.
1: Well, I think that the talent's definitely there. And I think the more eyes you can turn to actually watch the games, they'll realise the talent is there. And and I think for the casual NBA fans in the UK, they look at the NBA as like the only predominant league, but then there's also some of the passionate diehard fans who watch all the leagues and realise so many players in the NCAA are so talented. Just because they haven't made the NBA doesn't mean they're a good, you know, they're not a good basketball player. Um, so for me, what I always tried to push was how can we get in front of as many eyes as possible? So I would send all of our highlights to the BBC um, every week to go on the, you know, the regional news. Um, I'd write for the local newspaper, our match reports, um, just and, and get on the radio, BBC Radio Surrey, get in front of as many people as possible because the proof was in the pudding in those five months before COVID. We had, you know, birthday parties at Scorchers games and we, kids would come down and watch and the parents would just say, oh, this is amazing. Like, I didn't even know this was here. And this is absolutely incredible. And they've become season ticket holders. And I'm still in contact with some of those people. I think that it's an amazing sport that families and, and kids in this country just don't know about. And mm. I think that's where the next chapter comes in. I think it has to be trying to get in front of new, new faces because I think if you're coming to watch a basketball game for the first time, you're not going to care whether they play in the NBA or who's who. They're just going to want to see people do amazing dunks, amazing three-point shots, um, big blocks, and, and just all the all the fun stuff, the sexy stuff, as it were. Mm. And I think if you can get people involved that way, that's how it's going to grow because ultimately, yeah, bums on seats is what's going to make the money to bring in better quality players anyway. So it all kind of filters in together uh, in different ways. But I definitely think that, the way to move forward is through social media, but also through the mainstream media, the traditional ones that might not be as, as sexy uh, you know, to talk about, such as getting on your local radio station. But if that's the niche audience they're actually going to pay to come and watch the games, then they're the audience you've got to target. Um, and I think that's the way to go. And, and and for some of the other private you know, third-party media guys, have a Patreon account, have ways to make money, sponsored you know, content, whatever it might be, because there are ways to make money in this country doing things like that. And I think... You know, the opportunities these reels have had, for example, you know, doing stuff with Sky Sports this season, just out of some of the stuff he was doing. It shows yeah, that it's possible. Yeah. So I think it's really exciting. And I think that that's the way to go. Mm. And the more we're doing it, the better. And, and using these new platforms like TikTok, where it's so easy to go viral, is a great way of doing yeah. it. So if you can show all the best plays, that's how you suck people in. And then you give yeah. them a bit more knowledge about the teams and where they're based. I think that's the way to go. Yeah.
0: And I think uh, Sam Pinchins a fantastic example of that. Now, obviously, he's out in the windy city working with the Bulls as a, as a photographer, and uh, he's just completed his first season there. So, yeah, obviously, you, you well, you can make it, um, but as you say, it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? You need money in to get players, to bring people in, to bring money in. But yeah, um, but no, it, it's it's for me the big gap is merchandise. There seems to be a lack of consistent merchandise. You go on the NBA store, you go on you know Premier League store, whatever. Every team will have a basic Nike and I think that's where, you know, I, I looked around, uh, around um, just for myself, really. Um, but no team really has good merchandise, really. Worcester have, um, you can buy any jersey of any of the players. Um, Leicester have some nice stuff, but there's nothing really consistent. I think that's the big gap in the market, really.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The commercial side of the game is is really lacking. And I think teams know that. And, you know, of course, they've had this deal with Kappa for the last few years, which has been good because, of course, you've got a, quite a front facing brand. that's a big name. But I think that, you know, clubs, their priority is to survive season on season and afford to survive. And merchandise is a good way to make money. But it's also it could be your downfall if you haven't got the right support there to, to make it happen. I think sponsorship and, and, and branding and that sort of stuff makes a huge difference. But If you haven't got the money to fund that, then it makes things really, really difficult. And, you know, from a scorcher's perspective, the season we've just done through COVID, it was more of a a money decision not to have merchandise because, you know, we would have wanted to do that. But it wasn't the case, which is fine. It's a a, a one-off season. I'm sure they'll have it back next year. But I think um, definitely sponsorship is something that no one's really got right yet in British basketball. I think some teams are on the right track. Just look at how many sponsors Glasgow Rocks have, for example. I know Duncan, their owner, is mad on LinkedIn, always speaking to people, which is great. Leicester do a great job of their sponsorship. London are obviously doing a brilliant job at the moment as well. Plymouth have always done a brilliant job with sponsorship, but it's on a small scale. We're not getting the big brands, as it were, really investing, particularly the ones who, who are invested in basketball in other countries. You know, why isn't 2K UK involved with, with the, uh, the BBL? Why isn't Nike wanted to be involved with in the BBL? I'm not involved in those conversations, but what it sounds like is that we're just not big enough yet. And I think that there needs to be a market on that big stage, and and of course, the more people that are watching, the more eyes that are following on social media and being involved, it's going to help the case to, to really pitch to these bigger brands. And if they're paying to be involved in the BBL, then every team's going to profit from that. And I think that's the way it's going to have to grow. It's but it's it's a it's a slow process. You know, you're not going to get a hundred thousand followers overnight unless you're some of the teams that buy their followers, but. Yeah, I won't name names, but the thing is, you know, it's, it's just that season-on-season season development. But it, it's there for everyone to see. I think all of the teams are moving forward. Um, the quality of basketball is getting better. The fan bases are getting bigger. But, you know, it's a difficult one. But I think over the next five to ten years, things will get better and continue to move in the right direction. It just takes the right group of people to really invest in it. And the more bigger brands that invest, the more will join in the long run. But hopefully, fingers crossed, people will start to see what a great sport it is and, and the potential that it has and continues to grow.
0: Yeah, well, no, I, I, could, I, I couldn't have put it better myself with how I feel about, you know, basketball and British basketball. But also I think, you know, we mentioned it with uh, Ryan Richards, but you've got a lot of marketable players, you know. We've got players who are uh, coming into the BBL who were um, massive in high school, Mustafa Heron, and we've also got players that were, uh, well, famous perhaps for the wrong reasons when they were at college, being a certain uh, Kevin Ware Ah, oh, Tom, have you ever had any interactions with Kevin Ware? <laughs> I love that little
1: transition. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Kevin um, is a is a great, is a good, a very good basketball player, first of all. Um, and I have no ill will to people like Kevin Ware. Um, but you know that storyline that happened this season. For people that don't know, uh, first of all, are you living under a rock? But yep. basically, what happened was. Um, he after losing to the Sheffield Sharks, he's playing for the London Lions, they lost the Sheffield Sharks. He then went on to Twitter for no apparent reason and said they were trash and that when they played them again with full strength, they would they would beat them. I just said, you know, you you're wrong. You know, I basically defended Sheffield and Mike Tuck, my boy Mike Tuck. And mm-hmm. um, a week later they lost again. Um, he called me goofy and, and all of this stuff. And eventually just they came down to Surrey for the first game of our series against them, and they were wearing shirts. Giving paying homage to Kyrie Irving about not talking to pawns. And I think I was the pawn in that, in that, uh, in that situation. Um, but no, I think those storylines are really good as well. You know, they I think the the, the beef is like uh, everyone knows each other, so it's like it's hard to have beef with people, particularly <laughs> the British players, who as soon as the season finishes, they'll all scrimmage together and they'll go for drinks together and stuff. It's hard to create those, you know, genuine rivalries, but I think they're going to start to develop more and more as these big teams really start to play each other more. I think that in the playoff, things got really chippy between teams, which is really good because that sells, right? And, you know, I think that's the sort of thing that the league needs. Um, and it's good to see some of the players are coming back because it means that that chippiness will still be there next year. Um, but yeah, I think um, Kevin Ware a great basketball player um, mm. and I've he's never spoken to me Face to face, I was more than happy to have that conversation. I was ready for that conversation. Yeah. Um, but it, it never happened, which is a shame. Um, but it, it'll live long in the memory. And, and um, thanks for the followers and thanks for the likes. That's, yeah. that's my message. And you to also Kevin got We're.
0: shirts out of it too. Um, yeah. Me, thought, like, me, me and Tom Teo have limited edition shirts. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's lovely, then isn't it? Always I, <laughs> I think Kevin Weir's retiring, you know. He tweeted, because of course he's very um, Twitter happy. Uh, he tweeted something saying, um, "Damn, this really is my last year playing basketball, or something like that." This was a while ago, but
1: yeah, I, th- I think he just tweets what comes into his head, which can sometimes be some of these pro players' downfall. It would be yeah. a shame if he did retire. He's a very, very good basketball player, mm. absolutely no doubt about that. And and you know, anything that happens between me and him is not personal. Um, and I think that. You know, I think that's just part of the social media training. Some players just never get it and, and, and don't understand the importance of it. And sometimes they can slip up and say things they don't mean. And it comes back to bite them, as the Sheffield Sharks tweet did back uh, in October. But, you know, I think um, it was it was good because, you know, for us on a personal level, you know, uh, the, the whole build-up of me versus Kevin Ware and the Scorchers players wearing the shirts and stuff, it was the most streamed game we had all season. People paid to watch the game because they knew it was – Surrey v London it was going to be chippy and it was um, and it was very intense um, so it, it proves that those sort of storylines actually do sell um, so you, you know it doesn't have to be legitimate you could genuinely fake a story of that, you know, that standard on the BBL scale and, and make money um, which is what it's all about those storylines people buy it. look at the WWE it was basically that but in the BBL so I mean it goes to show that storylines like that people really do get sucked into it and, and really buy into it so Maybe that's a little lesson for the BBL. If, if any yeah. players want to go at each other and, and, and really start a storyline, that's the way to go.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, the London line social media team have, have been uh, they've been trying to cause anything because of course there was the other team scandal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: think um, th- I've never really understood it. To be fair, I think yeah. their their videographer Ivan Ivan Grostev is brilliant. I really really like him, and their photographer Carol is brilliant as well. I don't actually know who does the tweeting for London. I've never right. met them. I think they're I think they're Americans. Um, They've got some sort of American media company doing it. Um, But for whatever reason, they were trying to start beef, but it it just didn't really like make any sense. There was no context to it. There was no background to it. So it didn't really work. Whereas like um, you might've seen over the course of the year, like me and and my friends in Cheshire have kind of gone at each other a couple of times because we did it to them and they did it back. So it kind of makes a bit more sense. Whereas like just calling Glasgow, the other team for for no apparent reason, Mm. was just like really weird and just kind of, It just didn't land the way people wanted to. People got offended by it. I was just confused by it, to be honest.
0: Especially considering kind of the money that's been funneled into London and, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. The season was almost a failure for them. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. It It was a weird one. I think uh, a lot of people within the game expected London to steamroll it and it it didn't happen for whatever reason. And maybe that was their own downfall is that they just expected things to be so easy, and, and teams aren't going to roll over. At the end of the day, it's 5v5 on a basketball court, and everyone knows that anything can happen, you know, and the Lions have got some absolutely outstanding players, and, and you know, I hope they come back and really go again and try and, you know, battle back and win, but, you know, you look at some of the other teams in the league, Newcastle beat them, Le- Leicester beat them in, in different games, Plymouth as well, and, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, even Cheshire beat them in one of the games, which was some sort of upset, but when you look at the players mm-hmm. they had on the floor, so there's some real talent in this league, mm-hmm. which Testament to, to the quality of the players in the league, really. Um, but for, for me on a personal level, I think Vince is a great guy and I'd love to see him run that team back and see what they can do in the second mm. year.
0: Well, yeah, I, I've, I've uh, met Vince and uh, the word charisma <laughs> really does come to mind with, with uh, Vince McCauley. And they have some uh, great you know, bastions of British basketball, you know, specifically Justin Robinson. No one really typifies British basketball more than Justin at the moment. You know, Brixton top cat, alumni, um, went to America, did America, came back, MVPs, trophies. Yeah. They've got, I'm a um... big
1: Justin Robinson fan. He's a great advocate for the sport ball. So just, you know, for the stuff he does in the community, he's a really, really good person, you know, yes. and from what I've heard from other players, he's a really nice guy as well. I haven't actually had the chance to speak with him personally, but big advocate for the game. And he's the mm. perfect sort of person to lead the London Lions. And he's proven yes. time and again, that his quality, you know, he's, he warrants that place on that team as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've had the privilege of meeting him. And uh, again, my, couldn't say a bad word if I wanted to um but obviously you know let's this, this bring it back a little bit you're, you're now Southampton you've obviously done a lot for for Surrey and for British basketball so what do you think that other do other sports do so well that you know British basketball maybe doesn't I think for just from the six
1: weeks you know I was, I've been speaking to various people about this in the time that I've been here I think that British basketball is quite uh, inward facing in the fact that we're always looking at each other and what each other are doing rather than thinking, you know, what's the the casual member of the public looking at? You know, I think in my time in Surrey, it was very quick to realise that a lot of people in Surrey didn't even know we were there because we're not front facing. We're not there in advertising boards and doing all the traditional stuff that you would imagine, you know, football teams have got the money to pump into advertising and retail and stuff like that, which isn't so easy to do in basketball. I think, you know, coming back to the whole commercial thing, which I've already spoken about, that's where we're behind. Um, But I also think the community is quite small still. And I think we need to be more embracing of people coming into the community. You know, there is sometimes there are people within the the community who who want to see things done a certain way. Then there are young people coming in who want to do things their way, which I think, you know, you should always leave with what the young people want to do. Uh, It's a difficult one. But I think over the next few years, if they can continue to be on Sky Sports regularly, and if these teams can really market themselves in the right way, I think Leicester are the model. You know, they've proven they've gone from being a team that was struggling to you know, being the best team in the league And you're know, on paper. And, you know, with all, the, all the, the, the stuff they've done with an arena and stuff like that. But, you know, I think over the next few years, things will really start to change. I do hope it does. I just hope that the one thing that would hold us back, if there's a real disparity between the teams that are getting stronger and stronger and the teams who haven't got the money to get stronger, Mm. Um, because I think over the next few years, you might see teams that, you know, the top six and the bottom five, as it were, and other teams coming into the league. Have they got the money to really battle out with the big boys? I don't know. It's a difficult one. Um, but, you know, from, from my experience, albeit a short time in, in football, it's a huge, huge, you know, business, and they do things a certain way because it works. They're one of the biggest football teams in the country. Um, and, and when you look back at basketball, you realise how underfunded it is and how there's not the staffing to, to compete with these other sports who have just got everything at their, at their fingertips to be successful. So I think it needs to be a real long-term vision. I think everyone needs to come together and think, okay, what are we actually trying to do? What are we are going to do in the next you know, two to three years? is going to help the following two to three years. And if they really mark that out over a long period of time, I think they'll find success. But yeah, I think everyone in basketball knows the reality of it. They're a long way behind some of the other sports. And, and that's okay because, you know, if we, if we were the most popular sport, you know, we'd have the most money, but we don't. You know, football is a yeah. huge sport and rugby and cricket and tennis. You can name maybe five or six, seven sports that are ahead of basketball, but that's, that's fine. Um, and for me personally, any knowledge that I gain along the way, along as, as, alongside people such as Joe Pinchin in Chicago, he does stuff for Leicester all the time and really gives a lot of guidance. He's, I've been on a couple of calls with him since he's been there. He gives loads of great knowledge and, and that's something that I'm willing to do as well. I always have conversations with some of the younger guys in British basketball, like James Piper, Mark Campbell in Glasgow, Ross Wardrop in Glasgow about what I can do to help them and really give them that insight. Because if they're going to be within British basketball, I want to help give them the right you know, knowledge that they need to find the success there. And, and the truth is we're going to have to find unique ways of, of getting in people's faces without paying for it for now, because we haven't got the budget to spend 500 pounds on paid media and things like that. You know, that's why I've been a huge advocate for TikTok, like I keep mentioning, because you don't have to pay a penny. You can go viral on TikTok with zero followers. I think if you're a player listening to this, get on TikTok and post all your best highlights because hopefully one of them will go viral and it will really boost your stock moving forward. It'll boost your follower count, which is always a good thing and helps the players become more of a business than just as players. Um, But bringing it back, I think that the way to, to move forward has to be getting in front of as many people as possible. And I think if we can do that, and if I can help with that in any way, then then things will be good. But I do think things are moving in the right direction. I think it, it, would, be, it would be rude to say that it was is struggling, because I don't think it is. And I think yeah. it, hopefully when, when COVID does eventually subside and, and fans can get back into the arenas in full capacity, hopefully they will be sold out. We'll really start to be looking at things moving forward even quicker than they are now.
0: Mm. And, you know, you, you mentioned TikTok. I said the exact same thing to one of my friends, you know. Post your highlights. You know, look at um, it's Benjamin uh, Hopper at Derby. Um, he, he's become made a little brand for himself. But of course, nothing really. Tip. You can't mention British Basketball TikTok without mentioning SBB. You know, and the stuff they're they're doing. Yeah. Um, I I met them when they were about thirty thousand followers, and then within a week they had over a hundred thousand. It was it's incredible. It shows you that's the kind of casual stuff that people want to get into with, with Barcelona in England. And that's entirely fine. Um, but you know, hopefully they get a, an opportunity, a formal opportunity, um, because they're, they're great guys and, um, yeah, let's see what happens with them. And that's,
1: and that's, you've, I think you've nailed on that on the head there. These people need opportunities to, to really actually make a difference in, in the domestic game, not just on TikTok. And I think that, these platforms are really good for giving yourself a presence, giving yourself a voice to make a difference that like you've made a huge impact just with the stuff that you've done on TikTok yourself. So, you know, I think it does show that if you can really make a name for yourself that way, you can make a difference on, on the on the bigger scale. And I think that, you know, as I've alluded to a couple of times, I think TikTok and Instagram is the way to go just to increase your own personal brand and really get yourself out there. And, um, and really make more of yourself and have that, that, you know, not just being a basketball player, but also having that other side and being a social media influencer or whatever you might want to make of that fashion, whatever. Um, but I think that's the way to go. And I think, um, you know, some, some sports teams have really embraced it and found success. Some are still lacking, but I think across the board, the BBL are doing a pretty good job. I think Glasgow Rocks just hit 10,000 followers. Um, they're, doing, they're doing a really good job. So I think that if we can keep doing that and keep increasing our presence on there, and across all social media i think you can't really um undervalue how important twitter and facebook are uh, and snapchat and things like that and linkedin even now is very important for sponsorship in particular but i think if you can use tiktok and instagram in the right way you can really grow your brand like i doubled the scorches instagram albeit from two and a half thousand followers to five thousand but that's two and a half thousand more people looking at our content than there were previously which is a big number for uh, an arena that only holds 800 people so you know, when you put it in perspective, it does make a big difference. So I think um, for BBL teams in particular, and MBL teams, it goes without saying. You know, embracing that social media does make a huge difference. Particularly if your followers are actually within distance of traveling to the games and coming to watch the team, it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, m- most definitely. I mean, um, that's the way to get to the casual viewer because that—that's how you're going to put it in front of people that wouldn't normally be going out to find that content. But yeah no that it's been a fantastic talk you know obviously it's it's, we have a shared passion in this and um yeah if we if we move on to to some some shorter questions i obviously asked on uh, instagram if there's any uh questions for you and my favorite one of those was what's your favorite play that you've seen live from working with my uh, favorite
1: play that's a very good question. I've seen some good plays. Um, you test me here. I think the best play, well the first one that came to my head, I guess I'll say that one um, was the final game before COVID hit back in 2020, March the 7th we, ho- we hosted Ovi Soko and the London Lions at Surrey Sports Park we're down by six, Lavelle Cook hits three shots in a row and we end up winning the game in the fourth quarter but the third one, the roof just came off and he just turns to the crowd and just you know, shouting as loud as he can. Everyone's gone nuts. And I think that might be my favourite moment in my time in Surrey, just that moment when the really took over and did this thing against his old team. And, you know, everyone was there to watch Ovi, but ultimately they fell in love with Scorchers because of course, you know, the women of Surrey came out in their flocks to see Ovi and it worked out that we won the game. Um, but that was a special moment. But some of the other ones, you know, even this season behind closed doors, you know, we've had some some big plays and, and some big wins. I think Cam Hill just game winner, against Thames Valley in, in the BBL Trophy was one of those moments where you think, okay, this guy's a star. You know, uh, mm. I mean, the pleasure pleasure of getting to know him, he's a really, really, really nice guy as well as a great basketball player. And, um, you know, he came into practice for a couple of weeks um, before that, that game, before we announced him the day before that game. And I was like, wow, this guy is really good. You know, we had a few crossovers I couldn't even post because I wasn't allowed to post that he was there. Sure. Yeah. He then, he, he then signed the day before that game Instagram goes nuts and then he hits the game winner the next day and makes my job so easy because all I have to do is clip up his game winner and post it everywhere. Um, and that was a special moment. But yeah, those ones come to mind for me.
0: Mm. No, they're, they're good ones. Of course, you know, all the best to Cam going forwards. Um, <laughs> looking at both of us now, he kind of looks like a mix between you and I. <laughs> think about I. I think you should take that as a compliment,
1: to be fair. I think we're both good looking chaps. I think you yeah. can take that with you know the thumbs yeah. up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, good luck, Cam. Um, So, obviously, you also follow Cambridge, Cambridge United. Um, I learnt in Cambridge with Anglia Ruskin. We just got promoted behind, um, you know, Wes Houlihan and uh, Paul Mulling. How do you think we'll do next year? Well,
1: I'm glad someone's finally given me the platform to talk about Cambridge. Um, (laughs) First of all, it's maybe about 16 years of suffering, but I've finally Hmm. seen us get a promotion automatically. Um, into League One. To be honest, my expectations are just on the floor because it's Cambridge. You can never expect good <laughs> things. But, um, you know, I think for, for a club like Cambridge, like the reality is they're not going to have the money to compete with some of the other teams in the division. Um, you know, you've got teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, Portsmouth, uh, Charlton, who are just massive clubs in, in, in across the country. And I think that um, if Cambridge can just put in a good performance and really compete, whether they go straight back down or they kind of just hang on, obviously I'm hoping and praying that they hang on and stay in the division and consolidate but if they put in a good performance and put in a good shift and really fight then I think the fans can't really complain that we were expected to finish down the bottom in League 2 and have gone on this beautiful journey and got promoted so for me it's just about you know really enjoying this one season and seeing how it ends up I mean if I'm being honest I think we'll go back down but hopefully they can surpass my expectations again and stay up and see what goes from there but you know, it's, it's, it's been you know one of the big positives through COVID having sport and, and you know when your team actually does well. The one time you're not in the stadium is frustrating, but also <laughs> it's really helped helped me and my dad in particular get through this process. So mm. yeah, hopefully they stay up. It's been a really, really special year though, nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and you know, hopefully we could get into the new market road end um soon. Soon I think me and you
1: might be the only people listening who know what that is, but yeah, exactly. a very famous yeah. place.
0: Yeah, exactly. It fits <laughs> about 10,000 people. Um no. <laughs> um so you know Cambridge what about the BBL uh, got any early picks who do you think's going to Um I mean, I've got I've got friends on every team so I need to be
1: careful what I say mm. here I mean mm. it would be it, it would be stupid not to say that London Lions are going to do well next year and I really hope that they get this opportunity that they wanted to play in Europe first of all yes um but, uh, but you know I think you know, I think they'll do well next year and I think Plymouth will go from strength to strength it's great to see they've got the investment to really you know, compete with the big boys now. And and we saw that, you know, that the investment does work. Um, but of course, Leicester are Leicester and Newcastle are Newcastle. And they've proven this year, once again, that you can invest as much money as you want, but they're going to come back and buy you and be strong as ever. So I think you'll be between those four. I think um, I'll go on paper now and say London will win the league, but I think Plymouth will win silverware of some description. That's my yeah.
0: prediction. Uh, I, I mean, I hope so for Paul's sake, Paul Nicholson's sake. Um, if, I to, <laughs> uh, if I had to pick a sleeper, though, I'd go Cheshire, now picking up Teddy Okerea for, um, worth looking
1: at. Yeah, yeah, and I'm i really a really big fan of what they're doing in Cheshire. I think, you know, I think Ben's, Ben Thomas has done mm. a brilliant job there. I think he goes under the radar every year, as, as you know, he's not one of the you know, big-name coaches, as it were, but he's done a really, really good job. And bringing in a player like Teddy says everything you need to know about the job that he's doing and the work that he's done there over the last few years and having NBA go there last year. And yep. he always recruits very well. I'm a big fan well, of he him. He's a really Getty. nice guy. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, the, the proof is there that he clearly knows what he's doing and, you know, hopefully they go from strength to strength. They had a really good season. I mean, I, I was one of the people that wrote them off early and they proved me wrong and I'm glad they did. Um So, you know, I, I hope that you're right and they are a good sleeper. And, and Bristol always, I always look at Bristol and think they could beat anyone on their day as well. So, I think they could be a sleeper if they get the right team together as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And of course, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Worcester too, simply because Daniel Johnson-Thompson from chance is the same as I. So, I've got to and they are a good team, you know, Worcester. Are yeah, fun. Jordan Jordan
1: Williams is a great player, you know, yeah. he's made in Surrey, but you know, he's a great guy and a good a good friend of his. But I also think it goes without saying Manchester I think will be much stronger next year. Mm. And and Glasgow, hopefully, if they're back to the budget they had previously where they went on we were actually top of the league when it when it ended in twenty 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 twenty. God, if it was like 2017, I'm talking about. But yeah, the year before last, um, hopefully they'll be back to full strength and Gareth will have a team that he can really work with to compete at a high level. Yeah. Because I think when Glasgow is strong, it does make the league a lot more interesting. So hopefully they're, they're in a stronger place next year as well.
0: Yeah, but whatever happens, it's going to be a fantastic year for British basketball. It
1: is, and I'm hoping Scorchers can cause a few upsets. Of course, now I'm not in it. Uh, you know, I do speak to Creon regularly and Tao and Kalen and everybody. Um, but I am interested to see who they bring in and what, what they try and do differently this year because I think Creon made it very clear that he wasn't happy with how things went. And yes. it was a very frustrating season for him. And, and, you know, I can understand it because on paper there was a very, very good team there. So it was a shame that it never really amounted to what everyone hoped it would. So I'm hoping that he can find the right combination this year and really, really make some noise and, and bounce back. I think sometimes people write Surrey off and, and wrongly so. And I think that having the fans that will make a massive difference because. Although I'm biased, you know, it's so loud in there because it's such a compact venue. I think, you know, it's one of those atmospheres that you really need to go there and experience for yourself and realise why away teams love playing there so much because the fans get chippy and it gets really intense. So hopefully with the fans back, they'll pick up a few more wins at home as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Hopefully so indeed. Um, Obviously, being in marketing, and this is how we're going to finish off, being in marketing, you should know a lot about, um, you know, commercial stuff, (laughs) In the BBL, who's some of your favourite jerseys?
1: Favourite jerseys? Well, I mean, Leicester was my favourite this season. They had a lovely, lovely jersey this season. Um, They always do a brilliant job. I know Joe, when he was there, did some um, Diwali uh, special edition jerseys and stuff like that previously before, which were amazing. Um, So they always impressed me. I actually like the Surrey jersey. You know, I I was part of that design process. It would be stupid for me not to say I did like that one. Um, I think the sleeves can cause a bit of controversy. Um, I personally like them. It's something a bit different to what some of the other teams do, having the sleeves on the side. And from a commercial point of view, it's another spot to sell, you know, having a yep. uh, sponsor on there. So that's the reason it's there. Um, but no, I, I like that one. I'm just trying to think back. Glasgow copied Surrey. I mean, that goes without saying, but you know, they had a nice jersey. Um, yeah. But Plymouth, I always like their jerseys. I think the best one was Leicester this year. I think Leicester always do. good and, enjoy- yeah. and Bristol as well, having a nice jersey as well.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... Tom, I want to thank you again for coming on and giving me your time tonight. Um, It's been a great call. And yeah, best of luck for the future, mate.
1: Thanks, Jamie. I really appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing on TikTok as well, because I'm a big fan. And hopefully it just continues to go from strength to strength.
0: Thank you. Thank you.